This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore. Hello, David. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Wonderful. Yourself? Great. Uh, I'm great, and uh, and I notice that you're not nearly as hairy as you used to be. <laughs> I've I've made a uh, a mid shelter in place adjustment. Uh, decided to shave and shower for the first time in two months. <laughs> oh, surely now you would shower. You know, there is no there is no way your lovely wife would have tolerated <laughs> that after all this time. <laughs> did uh, did Cheryl have a say in you getting rid of the of the beard? I I was well I went and uh, yes she did. <laughs> yeah, just say yes she did. <laughs> Not, yes she did. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I bet. I didn't even get nearly that far, and Debbie said, "Oh, shave that off. Shave, shave that off." Oh, okay, all right. It's just and, the daily looks of disgust, even more so than usual, that kind yeah, of even more pronounced. Get you yeah. to a crisis point, you know. <laughs> and then there's Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How are you? Good. Everything's good here. Everything's great. <laughs> All good. So subdued. Uh, look, listen, look at Evan. He's rocking back and forth. Is that is that your version of the rocking horse winner? Are you really about to 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 go off your level there? Yes. Very, okay. very, very close. I'm very close to losing it. <laughs> whatever, whatever I have left, I'm, I'm close to losing it. Uh, no, everything is, uh, everything's fine here. We're just um, uh, waiting through whatever the state of shelter in place or not sheltering in place is. I, I don't know. Boy, I mean, you you got to really weigh with words, don't you? <laughs> I'm I'm completely lost at this point in time. Pretty much, pretty much walking through a fog every day. Wow! And as, as we understand, you walk through a fog to the dentist. Is that not correct? I did go to the dentist yesterday. Um, went were you Were you a, nervous? I was nervous. Yeah, I, I I don't know why I went through with it. Um, uh, but uh, went through screening when I got there. Um. People were wearing double masks. Uh, you have to answer questions, or was it just the the temperature screening? Temperature check, and then they they asked me some questions. Um, and uh, everybody in the office was wearing double masks, and you know everything is in everything's autoclaved and, and sterilized that, that they're going to use. Um, I just I I'm starting to step out and do things i just feel unease with each time that i i do it you know 
Well, you you should you should feel that way. Uh, I think I, I think everybody should feel that way to a certain extent. There's no need to to act like uh, oh everything's great now. Um, uh, I think that we need to prepare ourselves for uh, what's coming. Uh, but you know, uh, I think uh, when we we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started, you know, my daughter-in-law went to a restaurant, was wearing a mask, and was standing in line to pick up uh, the food and. Uh, people who were her age, she's in her late twenties, uh, were standing there in line and they saw that she had on a mask and laughed at her for wearing it, which is just ludicrous to me that, uh, that, that people would take that, that view. If you want to risk your own life and endanger other people's, don't be laughing at other people who are at least, uh, thoughtful enough, uh, and careful enough to want to preserve their own well-being and, and as well as others. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, where this goes from here, you know, uh, but I, 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 I do feel like as we talk about the, you know, the, uh, the governor, uh, of Texas, uh, governor Abbott has, uh, pronounced that, uh, May the 31st that pro teams can, uh, go back to work. Uh, do you guys have any feelings about the, the Rangers and the Cowboys about whether they will, uh, actively, uh, pursue that angle i well i mean on the on the rangers side i mean i they may be able there's some guys right now that are going to the ballpark and working out and there's some pretty strict protocols that are in place when they do work out uh and there are small groups i don't know if the rangers will take that hope to get an answer on this today i don't know if the rangers will take that as a as a sign that they can bring in larger groups at one for, at, at, at one at a time um I'm sorry, at one time, uh, but I think that you've still got the majority of the team that doesn't live here, and until Major League Baseball comes to an agreement uh, about the start of the season and the start of camps, you're not going to have anything that resembles a really organized team activity with more than four or five people around at any one time. So I, I, I think the, the governor's announcements yesterday uh, Florida was last week. California and New York both made announcements yesterday. I think a lot of that is to give pro sports leagues the green light that when they do come to an agreement, yeah, they can they can go and and play there. And, and baseball needed a, an answer from California because there's five teams there, and there's been a, a very serious outbreak there. And and there, you know, Governor Newsom there had talked very very strongly about potentially not opening the state. Uh, and that would have that would have really thrown a crimp into baseball's plans because all those teams would have had to go and play in, in Arizona in all likelihood. David, how about the Cowboys? Well, the you know NFL extended the the virtual off season through the end of May, so now you're talking about really, uh, and and my guess is they'll probably extend it at least another week from there, and then and then you're talking about a mini camp in June, which I. I think in low likelihood will be virtual or, or certainly restricted or phased as well. Um, so I, I think the league is really, again, uh, I think they're seeing what baseball does, what basketball and hockey do, and just saying, you know, let's, let's start this with training camp. Now the question is, when does training camp start? Is it going to be the normal time? Or are you going to push it back? And, uh, you know, what, what Gavin Newsom said yesterday, Governor, Governor Gavin Newsom in, in California was significant because um, 
you know, most of what had been coming out of there from him and from health officials was, look, we can't see any sort of organized sports until Thanksgiving. And that may be optimistic. That was kind of the tone. Uh, that was kind of the template everyone was working with with California. Now, when you're saying, well, look, June 1st, you know, based on what we're seeing, you can come back. Um, I think people are seeing at least an avenue to be able to work through situations to get sports back on the field. But in my mind, this is all still very premature because you still have the testing issues we've talked about. And then you have the protocol of what all these sports leagues are going to do once you have a positive test, once everyone comes back. You know, I, I know uh, the, the Bundesliga, the, the German league, uh, you know, got a lot of attention this past weekend because they were back up and playing because they'd reached the point uh, where it was safe. Well, I believe two players tested positive since the games, since they returned to the games on Saturday. So, you know, it, it, this is going to be in phases and, and, and having the testing and just getting back to the position where you can stage the sport. But then I, it's more problematic how you're going to handle once you have cases come up during the competition and how you're still going to keep everyone in place and what the protocols are. And that's, you know, I think, and not just sports, because sports is a microcosm. I, I think, you know, society is wrestling with that as well as the economy opens back up. Uh, okay, we're opening back up and, and everyone agrees with that. But what's going to happen when you have uh, outbreaks in a particular workplace? What's the protocol then where that work doesn't shut down? And, and that's what uh, pro sports has to work through right now as well. Well, not only that, but college sports as well. Uh, Bob yeah. Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, was interviewed uh, last night on Fox Sports 1 by Joel Klatt. Um, and uh, uh, it was interesting to me to hear uh, Bob. Uh, first of all, Bob's uh, shaved his head, and I think it's a really good look for him. Uh, I, I liked it. Uh, I, I highly recommended it. Uh, and uh, he was uh, talking just about what you were, about how, listen, these are all the things we have to – to think about and have to think through is what do we do if someone tests positive on a Tuesday? And, and, uh, and he, the way he uh, set this all up, he made it sound like there's a possibility that uh, on a Tuesday, if you had some positive tests, uh, then, then the game on Saturday was off and that, that, that you would even consider the possibility of scheduling other teams for five days later to come in and play. Um, and, uh, that just sounds so crazy to me, and that speaks to me about in, in college sports in particular, which is a completely different animal from pro sports. Uh, as much money as they talk about losing in pro sports, in college sports, football floats the boat for everybody. Uh, and, and basketball is pretty self-sustaining, but it's not making a lot of money for everybody else. Football is carrying the entire athletic programs. If they're not making money in football, uh, then you, we're talking about the, the possibility of eliminating sports. Some, some colleges are already doing that. They're, they're eliminating uh, men's and women's sports. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to talk to someone, as a matter of fact, today, uh, former commissioner of the Big 12, Dan Beebe, who has his own uh, crisis management college uh, sports team now, goes around and, uh, and, and talks to colleges. And, and he has, you know, suggested the possibility that, uh, that in, in fact, other than football and basketball, the revenue producing sports that the rest of them would be non-scholarship, uh, even at the D1 level. Uh, and, and I would imagine 
that that would not be the case universally. That would just be the case in with programs that are that are struggling, the non-Power Five program, which would only widen the divide between the haves and the have-nots in in college athletics. You can imagine if your son's a really good baseball player and he's got the opportunity to he, he wants to go to college he's, he doesn't want to sign a pro contract he's going to go to a power five school you know automatically right it, 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 why would he go someplace where or my parents have to have to pay my way i, I just think that this is going to cause a, a, a bigger rift in college uh, athletics and i think it, it eventually could even lead to what, what everyone has projected forever the possibility that uh, the Power Five conferences would just withdraw from the NCAA and have their own fiefdom. Uh, and I, think, I think that's a great point. It's like, you know, we're seeing this in society as well. It's exacerbating uh, the, the, the distinct differences between the haves and have-nots and making it even more apparent. And, and I think uh, industries is picking at this pandemic is, is hitting at the flaws or weaknesses of industries and accelerating uh, the, the cycle of them reaching a point where they either have to change or they just go away, uh, a lot of different businesses. And, and to me, college sports, you're, go you're, seeing this, you're going to see the same thing happen. You're, you're going to see these uh, divisions develop. And uh, you're right, all the, all the schools with money are going to be somewhat immune to it, while all the others are going to have to radically change how they approach sports. And what are the long-term implications of that? And that's, it's just going to be a, a one-year, uh, hopefully a one-year aberration, and then you return to normal? Or does this really shake up the landscape and what it looks like going forward? You know, professional sports, I think, are immune to, to this by and large. Uh, but, but college sports is not. No, it's not. It's like it's like that old thing. It only takes about you know forty seconds to drown, you know, and 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 that's uh, that's what's happening. You, you had all this stuff as, as BB pointed out <clears throat> in the stuff that I've I've read so far, um, and I want to pursue with him. He's already had athletic directors come to him and say, "Man, we're 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 struggling to stay afloat here." <laughs> that was before the pandemic, you know. Yeah. So uh, th these are real issues for them going forward. And and one of the things that Bowlesby also said last night was that um, everybody that they've talked to has said this is going to be a two-year process at least. That that the pandemic is not only going to affect this year's athletics; it's going to affect next year's as well because it's going to take that long, frankly, before we get a vaccine and before we're totally comfortable with everything we need to do going forward. So that's a two-year period. That's a long time for college athletics. Uh, if, if you're going to be, uh, you know, in, in the red at that point for two years, uh, some of them just can't, aren't going to be able to make it. As I said, we're, I think Furman just recently eliminated a couple more sports. Furman uh, yesterday eliminated baseball and lacrosse. Um, and there's been other schools that, that have eliminated sports already. Um, it's going to be, I, I think on the baseball front, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because, you know, you've got MLB pushing to eliminate a whole level of the minor league system. Uh, and you've got this year, the draft is going to go down to five rounds. And I think over time, it's going to be no more than 20 rounds. Um, and the, the, you're going to see a level of player basically squeezed out of the game, especially if there's no opportunities for them to go to play college baseball without any kind of 
uh, financial aid. You're, you're going to see a, a bunch of players basically pushed out of the game. Um, and it's – is it going to drastically change the quality of Major League Baseball? No, I don't think it will. But I think that there are going to be some players who would uh, who would have gotten an opportunity who, who won't get those opportunities. I think that's the biggest thing for me, and I, I don't want to dwell too much on the college aspect because I want us to talk about the pro sports uh, mostly. But um, I do think, uh, in, in my both my sons played at the D three level, which of course are it's you know non scholarship uh, as as our uh, as our checkbook and well attest. Uh, and so, but it's been a great experience for them, uh, great great education, and and also an opportunity to play sports as well. And uh, just to me, what what college is supposed to be for for everybody, but it's not it's not always that case. Uh, and one of the things about it too is that, uh, but when you in college sports, the ability to draw a diverse crowd uh, through athletics is one of the things that is that's helping these universities. Otherwise, they're just going to be lily white university with the fluent of kids on them, and and you're not going to have the diversity if these opportunities are not available. Now we can say there's still other scholarships, there's academic scholarships, there's need-based scholarships. Yes, that's true. There, all those things are available to people, but th those those monies are gonna be, uh, are they gonna be available in, 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 at the same level? You, we're talking about probably two and three times what they're getting now, uh, because the, most of the, a lot of those need-based scholarships don't cover what a full full ride would. Now. As we know, in things like college baseball, there's 13 scholarships. That's divided among 25 guys. There's probably only three or four guys on the roster who are getting full rides, and everybody else is getting a half, a third, a quarter, whatever. Uh, I, I realize all that. But it's still, there's no question that this will have an impact on who's playing what in college, uh, college sports. Yeah, I, I just feel, and I'll, I'll make this the last word on college sports, I just feel like the baseball programs are going to be the ones that are most impacted because baseball – has started to emerge, particularly at the Power Five level, as something of a revenue-making sport. You know, I, I, I'm not saying it's carrying the weight for anybody else, but you go to an SEC baseball game on Friday night, you've got 11,000, 12,000 people there. Um, and uh, we are seeing major league clubs that have started to go towards the level. We're going to start taking guys from these big four-year programs. That's how we're going to draft. I mean, they've almost followed the NFL model. And I think you're going to see less of those opportunities uh, available for people. Yeah. There are long-term ramifications from all of this stuff. All right. Let's talk about uh, what baseball and, and, and Evan, you can certainly speak to what, uh, you know, technically all this is being called, but it, I guess it's a, a tentative proposal is a, it's a 67 page is as I understand proposal about these are the things that we're going to have to do if we're going to have baseball. And, uh, it, and, and these are the things to me that make all this interesting. Cause it's one thing to say, we're going to have baseball. It's another thing to have to draw up a plan for it and say, yeah, and this is what it's going to take. It always reminds me of the time when I was about 12 years old, I went over to spend the weekend at a friend's house and we decided we were, we were going to build a go-kart. We thought that was a great idea, except for just a couple of things. One, we didn't have an engine, we didn't have a chassis, and we had no know-how as to how to do that. But it was a great idea that we were going to build a go-kart that weekend. So it's, it's, to me, it's a little bit of the same thing here with, with baseball. Baseball's got a plan. Uh, and how are they actually going to be able to execute all of what that plan entails? 
Yeah, you know, and I, I, I think, look, I, I, I want to give baseball some credit here because I think that uh, in terms of trying to play the game without fans in the stands, what they've tried to do is answer every question possible for players about how can we do this safely. This is what we want to do to try and take all the steps possible to ensure your safety. Um, my general feeling is that I'm just watching where the country seems to be going, and there is this uh, this rush to kind of open things up and, and get back to quote-unquote normal. And I think if baseball wants to, it can relax some of these rules, and we can talk about a couple of these in, in, in particular, can relax some of these guidelines if they want to. You know, there's still going to be some risk involved, but I, I feel like where we are today on May 19th versus where we may be on June 15th, it seems like the attitude in this country is changing very dramatically. I don't know if we're rushing back into things. I don't know if, if there are people who are hesitant, but I see this continuing to morph over the, le over the next six weeks. Okay, morph. Um... Uh, specifically, let's talk about some of the things that the, that we're, we're 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 seeing. You know, one of the things they've talked about is that you know no showers for the players, uh, and that if possibly that you would show up to the ballpark in uniform, which means obviously you would leave the ballpark ballpark in uniform. So have your parents uh, drop you off and then pick you up when the game's over. Yeah, and I like what Evan said. Then on the road, and everybody's going to go to the Dairy Queen and and uh, have a Buster Bar. Um, so. Here's the, I mean, I just that alone. Stole my line. I know I did steal your line. You gave me credit. I mean, I, I worked I gave, hard on that one. I gave you credit. Yeah, it's good stuff. Especially when you have a good line. It's really we really should probably have a parade or something. But Billy uh, Bar is funnier. But go ahead. Yeah, that's true. I like a Buster Bar better. I, I, I you're both out of touch. I think these days <laughs> for the kids it's the blizzards. But whatever. True. All right, go ahead. Uh, I, uh, but but here's the thing: if you and it's and it, and I know that sounds silly to complain about. I can't take a shower. I can't, you know, I, I can come to the ballpark with my uniform. But when you're doing this night after night, uh, that kind of stuff piles up on you after a while. Um, and, and and of course, that's just that's just one of the many things that they've talked about that they we're going to do. You know, obviously, the, part of the deal is the social distancing in the field. Only the guys in the dugout, all, the only guys in the dugout are the guys who are actually playing. Everybody else sits in the stands uh, and sits within like six seats of each other. Um, and then, you know, obviously, no celebrations. No, when you, when you come back in, there's no high five and then somebody after a home run. Uh, you know, there's there's no spitting, no no eating seeds, no. No, I guess no chewing gum, no chewing tobacco for sure. You know, any of that in the dugout because there's no spitting allowed. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering, a guy like uh, Elvis Andrus, who is as exuberant as any player I've ever seen, a guy who, who loves to talk, loves to have a good time. Uh, we've all seen that over the years in him and in his personality and how it manifests itself. I think it informs who he is as a baseball player. I think if you take away all those things from Elvis Andrus, I just think that he's going to be lost. I think he's going to have a really difficult time 
There are some players who are, who are going to be fine. You know, it's not going to have any effect on them at all. They're very serious-minded players. They're guys who are kind of into themselves a little bit, and they'll be just fine with all this. But guys like him, I believe, are going to have a really difficult time trying to figure out, am I not supposed to do this? He's constantly going to be thinking, can I do this? Can I not do this? He won't be as instinctive, I don't think, and won't have nearly as much fun playing the game as he did before. I think it's going to be a, a challenge for everybody on some level because everything is going to – it's going to feel foreign from the minute you come to the ballpark, and it's going to feel strange all year. Uh, but what you're asking these guys is, hey, we want we, – we, we need three months of, of baseball. Um, these are the guidelines that we're laying out. Uh, we can we can get through this for three months. And as we said – as I said previously when we were talking off air – um, I think it's very – I think what baseball needed to do was put together this document as detailed as possible. And if there are some things that aren't enforceable, then that's – you'll end up – you can relax some guidelines as you move forward if the situation improves. You can't institute um, – you can't overlook stuff going in, right? You have to be as, as documented and as detailed as possible. And I know what the situation is in Korea. You know, they're, they're not supposed to be doing uh, any high fives or celebrations or anything. I turned on one game here one night when I couldn't sleep, and I saw Tyler, Tyler Saladino, um, former Rays player, who uh, hit his first home run in Korea, came back to the dugout, was handed a plush toy, which I guess was some kind of uh, celebration. And then gave, you know, got hugs and high fives from all his teammates. You're just not going to stop some of that. But if you can get some players to buy in and you can – it's all about reducing as much of the risk as you possibly can. And, you know, the, the question I think for Elvis becomes not so much can you show exuberance, but can you respect your teammates who are a little bit um, concerned about uh, interpersonal actions and, and things like that. That's that's the question. Can you respect everybody else's space? Those are going to be they're going to be hard things for guys to to do. But I think that you're going to approach it at least with the idea in your head. These are the things we have to try and execute to make it as safe as possible for everybody. It's going to be interesting because that's one of the thing I you know fans whether they're in the stands or watching on tv love about sports is the the spontaneity and the joy and the exuberance uh, of a performance in a big play they want to they want the feel of what it is once a big play occurs and everyone is expected to act in a certain way and now you're going to make these plays and you'll it will just be a, a clinical response, if you will, it, it's, go, it's going to change the feel of the sport. And I think a lot of the uh, attachment, the emotional attachment that fans uh, who are watching it are going to have, that they're not going to, you want to revel in that moment and that excitement. And if you don't celebrate, these moments will still be significant to the competitive, you know, nature of the game but they're not going to be celebratory moments per se emotionally. And, and that's going to be, that, that's kind of an odd disconnect because that's what sports really is at its core. 
Well, I think fans are going to have to appreciate the execution of sport and athleticism this year more yeah. than the raw emotion. Um, that, I think, is, is, is going to be the real challenge. I, a little bit of the Korean game that I, I watched, I just not having any crowds in the fan, not having any crowds in the stands, um, it just it felt, it felt very strange. And I, I, I think that there are people who are going to gravitate towards just being able to appreciate the sport. And I think there's going to be people who are going to say, I just can't do this right now. It just isn't filling the hole that, that I need from, from sports. Because it isn't an emotionally – we're all sports fans because we're emotionally attached in some way, right? Right. Certainly people who are – yeah. People who pay to go to the games, and it's, it's, it's more than just an appreciation of the game. Right. Usually. Well, that's uh, – uh, see, that's, that's the uh, – you know, I, I'm looking at the story here of the uh, – of the choir. we got four choirs that were uh, – uh, when I say choir, actual choirs, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if they were church choirs. I don't know if they were professionals or what they were. But they were singing together, and uh, and there was a uh, it became a mass infection because of that. Uh, and in one case, there was one choir member was uh, was found to have had the COVID virus and spread it to all but two other members of the choir. Uh, and and because of the because you're you're singing, you're 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 projecting. You know, obviously it's it's like it's like a constant sneezing, I guess for lack of a, or coughing for lack of a better description of it. So uh, to me, that's the issue here in a, in a ballpark. If, if guys are in a dugout, if guys are, 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 are yelling and, and screaming, if guys are, you know, I, I, I don't, when a guy comes in after hitting a home run, I, I have very, I have a very hard time believing that everybody's just going to stand there and watch him walk past him. And then he goes and sits down on the bench or, or if a guy gets hit in the, hit in the ribs uh, and he wants to go out and charge the mound, no one's ever rational when they're charging a mound, right? You know you're going to get in trouble. I'm not, and there are not a lot of fights in baseball anymore, but you do occasionally have them. Uh, and, and I just have a hard time believing that a guy's just going to keep his head and think, oh, well, I'll just let this go, you know. Uh, I, I think and, – and that's what you're risking here is that – as these cases with these choirs have proven it just takes one time it doesn't it's it's not like it's oh it's 15 times when it happens and then then finally somebody does get the virus so uh these are i i the reason i i'm not saying that that you can't have games you shouldn't have games i'm not really ready to say that i'm not i'm certainly not in favor of rushing back to any of this i think we need to have protocols in place as uh, one of the things that bob bowlsby talked about is that we're trying to raise our levels here in our athletic training rooms, uh, whatever, to hospital levels is what he kept referring to them as, uh, that we want to be able to, to treat and be ready for any kind of a scenario that comes up. But you're just not going to be able to, to deal with everything that happens. And, and things are going to happen, and guys are going to test positive. And I think that's one of the issues here is that we see it's not just getting ramped up and ready to play. It's what do you do when guys test positive? What, what's going to happen then? How, how, are, how are you going to deal with all of that? And that's what's going to be really interesting to me is that when you see a guy test positive, then he's out for two weeks, right, uh, at, at, at the very least. At the moment, from what you know, sure. That's what you got to do. And yeah. I, 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 I feel like 
you know, you go into these things with these ideals and these, these goals and everybody tries to adhere to them. And then at some point in time, somebody makes a mistake and, and, and drops their guard uh, and somebody else does it. And pretty soon, I mean, what I've seen in society is somebody watches somebody kind of drop their guard and then somebody else do it. And soon everybody just seems to be saying, ah, screw it. And I'm just gonna, you know, go back to my old, my old behavior. Um, and the question's gonna be is, are, is a professional sports league just going to live with whatever the outcomes are or are they gonna have really solid protocols in place? And I think the most important thing that can come out and out of any of this negotiation on the health and safety issue for baseball is the, the, that question that you're asking, Kevin, what do you do when you do have a positive test? Because really no matter what protocols you put in place, somebody's going to test positive somewhere along the line. And do you shut the game down? Do you take that player out of circulation? Do you ramp up more testing? I think those are the things that, that are really, that are really the serious issues. I think the things we can identify more with are the things that we visually see, the, the spitting, the high fives, all that stuff that we see on the field. But the, the real test is going to be, what do you do medically when you get a positive test. That's what has to be answered, I think, for these players. And none of these sports leagues, look, if any of these sports leagues come back and have to shut down again for a second time in the case of the NBA, NHL, uh, Major League Baseball is a little bit different. It never started, but it's still kind of in that same area. Um, look, they never should have come back. I mean, if you don't have the protocols in place to continue to go, then that tells you right there you came back too soon. So... Again, to me, it's not just the testing to what you have to ramp up to do it. You have to have a procedure and a mechanism in place that will allow you to continue once you do return and complete what you came back to do. And if you don't feel good about that protocol and procedure, then to me, that's just the biggest answer. That's the answer glaring you in the face right there. You can't come back yet. You just can't. And so you have to work through all of this under the assumption that we're not going to shut down again because that's going to create more harm than shutting down initially. There's no question about that. I, got, I wanted to go around the horn here and see what everybody thinks about what leagues are going to play this year. Um, uh, and uh, Evan, we'll start with you. Of, of the four big professional leagues, uh, do you, first of all, do you, do you think the NHL and the NBA will try to come back this season Either either with a uh, with a, abandoning the rest of the, of the regular season and starting the playoffs or whatever they might do, uh, in the uh, obviously the MLB and then the NFL. Uh, yeah, I think the NHL and, and NBA are going to try and play, um, and the MLS will try and play. Um, well, the NHL and the NBA, I think, are going to try and come back and play just their playoffs. You know, there's no reason to continue the rest of the season, go into the playoffs. Try and do it in one place where you can. You're only talking about a month or six weeks where if you need to isolate families, uh, you can do that together. Um, I think that the question I have is how the – there's so – there is so much close contact in the NFL. It is, it is a sport of scrums. I don't know how they're going to be able to do this without massive, massive outbreaks. Uh, throughout the throughout the league, I think MLB's got a chance to play. I think the NFL is going to do everything it can to play, but I, I just 
I, my mind can't wrap my, my mind can't wrap itself around the idea of, you know, linemen sitting shoulder to shoulder, uh, a quarterback, you know, under center, um, puddles. I, I just, all of this stuff to me just basically screams breeding ground, breeding ground. So the, I feel like the MLB's got a chance to play a, this this shortened version of the season. I I really question whether or not the NFL can can get this thing done. David, I I think the issue the NBA and NHL are right up against now is are you about finishing their season? They're not just talking about finishing their season. They're starting about when to start up their next season because right. it's going to come right in the, in the second wave. And, and I think what both of those leagues, what's most troubling for them is, okay, do we compromise two seasons here to work through this or do we sacrifice the current season, see what develops from there, and then do our best to ensure next season uh, we can carry it off and, and we're back and up and running. And to me, they're in the most difficult spot because I think that's a very difficult question. Uh, I think initially you say, well, yeah, l- let's create this bubble environment. We'll just do the playoffs, so we'll crown championship. But then suddenly you're looking at, well, in five weeks, we're back at training camp. <laughs> you know, uh, are we really going to do that? Are we prepared for that? So I think they're in a really, I think they're in a big bind. And I think, I don't think they have much time to figure this out because I, I think they're, they're talking about compromising two seasons. Um, baseball, it, it, you can still. Cuban, hasn't Mark kind of proposed the idea that starting the next season on Christmas Day? Yeah. And, but that's the thing. You can't, to me, they're juggling two seasons. You're not just talking about, okay, do let's conclude this season and give it legitimacy but now when are we going to start the next season especially since this has gone on later than we envisioned and look don't we need to get through october november and see where we are then before we start a season up so i think to me they have a two-part decision are we going to finish the season and have the playoffs and if we do that when are we going to start the next season? I think those have to be done concurrently by and large. And that's a very difficult decision. I mean, that just adds to it. Baseball still has a little bit more room to play with here. Uh, You can condense the season even more. Uh, You can still play it. Uh, And I think, look, baseball is the most socially distant of all the sports. Uh, So it does have that going for it. Football, football will play because of 60% of the money is TV, and I think they feel that they can replicate, um, you know, it as much. But but all the stuff Evan brought up, and and the, the money is just so large in football, uh, I think that they're going to get everyone to buy in and come back and and put themselves at some risk that maybe they wouldn't be comfortable with otherwise because the money is so large. And I'm not saying that that should be the determining factor, but I, I think we all know it's just human nature. And, and if a player, look, players already make the determination that they're willing to sacrifice, uh, you know, CTE in, in other situations to, to play football. I, I think this would be, this would fit in with the mentality. I, I would be surprised if football does not return, NFL football, 
does not return this year. Yeah, I feel the same way about college football. I think that's that's the whole reason they're talking about all, all this stuff. I think when listening to Bob Bowlesby talk last night, I just was uh, – I could tell he's not really sure this is all a good idea to try to play. So and then the, and when you look at all the crazy things you might have to do, why would you do all that? Why would you say on Tuesday we're not sure if we're going to play on Saturday? You know why put yourself through all that? Well, you put yourself through all that because we need the money. You know we have got to float all of these athletic programs, and if we don't play, we lose all of this. Uh, and and there and there's a the possibility that all this happens, and it becomes a financial decision and not a health decision. Uh, I think they're going to try to mitigate that as much as possible through everything that they're trying to do. I'm not saying that they're, that they're, it's, it's a callous thing and it's all about just making money. We don't care what happens to these people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they're willing to take that risk though. Uh, they're going to take a calculated risk, a prepared risk, but they're, but they're willing to do that. And I, and I agree with the, about the, what you said about the, the uh, NBA and, and uh, NHL is that at some point there's a point of no return. That if we if we go down this road too far, we're jeopardizing the next season as well. Listen, let's just face it: this season's already wrecked, right? I mean, and and to me, there's no there's no reason at this point to try to resolve it. There's no reason to say, well, let's go ahead and try to put a cherry on top of this disaster. You know, why 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 do that? Uh, I'm not even sure at some point. I'm, I mean, you can make the case that the NBA season was almost wrapped up or was getting close. The NHL season certainly was almost wrapped up uh but at, at this point i'm not even really sure if you're crowning a champion it's a proper champion was, it, was this really the best team or is this just the way things happen to work out you know in a very trying and exhausting time so i i, I do I, I do think that the nba and the nhl would like to see what happens with baseball i like that i do think they would like to see can these people get this thing up and running and what happens with them I think everybody is waiting for somebody else to do something to see just like everybody's watching what's happening in South Korea with baseball there. How's that going to work? Is, is it, is it doable? I think that they're putting a, a, a lot of uh, uh, inspection on all of that to see what are the possibilities moving forward here. Well, again, general, like, yeah, go ahead. My general feeling is if everybody's looking to, to major league baseball to be a guiding light here, we're in a little bit of a pickle. Um, I, I just am not sure that I have a whole lot of confidence in Major League Baseball to be uh, be both progressive in how they approach this and, and have a lot of foresight. Um, but I think you both make really, really good arguments. I'm just not confident that, that MLB is going to have the, the best plan possible to approach this. And that's the thing, what, going back on what you're talking about, Kevin, it's like you, you have to be responsible on this, and, and you're not – talking about putting anyone at risk, but business on some level is risk and it's, and it's, it's risk reward management. And we're talking about so many unknowns now and look, and we're just throwing out hypotheticals. Well, what happens in the second wave? What happens with this? What happens with that? Well, a good business person will tell you that you don't paralyze your business because of that, but you address what can paralyze your business and still find a way to navigate to get to that point and that you're always going to have to deal with unknowns but you have to have the the procedures and protocols in place and that's what that again that's what we're talking about here and um 
and those are just hard to work through because you're dealing with so many unknowns on this. Um, you know, I, I think it makes the equations and the protocol a little bit more difficult to put together, which is why it's taking more time than what people had hoped it would. But that's just the situation. And, and I'll tell you, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't talk to a lot of people in the NFL who say, um, I, I think there's an assumption that they will play this year. But I would also say all those people in the next breath will go, but I'm sure not comfortable doing it right now. You know, uh, so they're still talking about we need to get more information in. We need to develop protocols. We need to get farther down the road. We think based on where we were two months ago to where we are now, you can see getting there. But I don't think any sports league or any business knows completely how it's going to get there at this point. Uh, especially especially when you see possible to try and really, I, I think it's great to plan for all these contingencies, but we're just in a situation we've never faced. And um, I, I just don't, I, I, it's, I think in some regards, these leagues are, somebody's going to have to take a chance and try and play. And they're going to be the experimental, the, the lab. As I said, I just I, my experience with the way Major League Baseball operates, I feel like it's the least of the four major sports. I think it is the least cooperative with between the players and the owners, between between ownership in general, um, and because of that, I think it leads to the system not being as as unified and as as strong as it needs to be. Yeah, I think this is going to, we hadn't even dealt with the fact that how are the players going to do, feel about all this? We, we don't, you know, we, we've heard from, you know, a smattering of, uh, of opinions here and there about players and what they think and what they want to do. Uh, I, I'm sure I would guess that a majority of players in all sports want to come back. But I would say, I wouldn't say it was more than a slim majority. I wouldn't say it was more than 50 much more than 50% of them. I'm sure there are a lot of them out there who look what happened with the Jazz uh, before all the shutdown happened. Here were two guys that came down with it, and and uh, and they were teammates. They weren't even guys playing against each other. They were just teammates, and both of them came down w with the virus. I, I think that uh, in a prolonged exposure over several weeks, which, you know, of course, we don't really know how long these guys had it either. I mean, I, I, for sure. but how does that play out over a long term? And, and I think that's when, when I say about the other leagues looking to baseball, I think the only reason that they really would look to baseball is because at least there, as David pointed out, at least there is some separation. You know, there is, you are playing on, you know, you're, you're not having constant contact with the guy in front of you. Uh, so that, that is a, a little bit. And I, and I think they want to, I would think they would want to see, can even baseball do it? Because if even baseball can't do it, then, then how in the world can we do it? You know, so I, I think that that's what everybody is waiting on. I just don't know how – I don't know how the players really feel. I don't know – you know, it would be nice to know if the union has gone around and said to everybody, hey, we just need to know, how do you feel about coming back? Do you know if there's been any kind of effort on that part? Well, yeah, I, th I, think, I think guys have canvassed their own clubs and given them, given them some input, and I think players have been – I think I think individual players have been open with management about their concerns as well. Um, I, but I, I I get the sense that that baseball is confident that there's 
there's more than just a slim majority of players who would like to play. I think they want some reassurances. They want some, uh, they, they want some, um, uh, some idea of, of what the protocols will look like. Uh, and then we get down to the, you know, ultimately the big, the, the, the biggest obstacle I think is still going to be, all right, we want you to take all this risk, but here's the reduced salary we're going to give you for this year as well. So I, that's, that's a tough one to work through. I, and I think everybody does want to get a deal done here. And I think everybody wants to try and fly. And certainly baseball knows it's got an opportunity here to be, to be seen as a, as something of a, of a beacon of a, of a paragon, if you will. I just, I don't know that they can get it done because I, I, just because of the, the disconnect that, that seems to exist between the the two uh, the two collective bargaining groups. Yeah, and all, all the all the athletes, I think, in all the sports have been surveyed, and and that's why you know you hear the NBA wanting to come back and NHL, and and I know the NFLPA sent out surveys to all their players. But here's the other thing with that: how you answer a survey on May first is probably different than how you would answer a survey on June fifteenth. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, it's it's still changing, and and you proceed with the information you have. But just because you took a survey two weeks ago, where everyone says, "Yeah, let's do this," I don't think you stop surveying. You know, I think you, I, I think people's attitudes are changing on this, and and athletes' attitudes are changing on this. And so, uh, to to really get a true feel or a snapshot. Uh, it's just like the testing. You're going to have to do it uh, again in real time, not just go, oh, well, this is what, you know, this is what Major League Baseball players wanted four weeks ago. Uh, I think that's a great point. And I think that, that it just, you know, because who knows what happens over, over a course of time. Maybe, yeah. maybe, you're, maybe you're, your parents get it. Maybe, maybe your wife gets it. Maybe your child gets it. You know, and then all of a sudden it changes your attitude completely. What mm-hmm. if, if one of your teammates gets it? And then all of a sudden you decide, you know what? Hey, I'm out. I, I don't want. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, you know, and 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 if that's what if that's Mike Trout who says that? You know, what if that's Clayton Kershaw who says that? You know, uh, if you're, you're if the stars start dropping out in that kind of scenario and feeling like they don't want to do this, then you then you've really wrecked everything. And I think that's that's part of the thing too, isn't it? If you start this up, can you really can you really back up? Can you really say, you know, if baseball goes through all this trouble to do this, can it really just say, all right, never mind, we quit. You know, we, this was a bad idea. We should not have done this. I just, I don't know that that's, a, if that's doable. Obviously, we, we saw the league shut down, but that was, but it wasn't a case of we made a mistake going in. Well, they went in in good faith like they did in any, any season. We didn't have the virus. The virus started after the season started. In, this, in the case of baseball, they would have had the choice to say, you know what, we're, we're, we're not prepared for this. We don't know enough yet. We don't have a vaccine. Uh, this is not a good idea to do this. When you go ahead and decide just to do it, you know, it feels to me like you have to finish it then. Uh, and, and, uh, and to start it and then to call it off, uh, I just think that uh, you're, you're risking a lot here. These are not elected politicians, so maybe they don't care. You know, uh, well, there'd be they, consequences if you started back up. And I mean, th- then you get to mismanagement because, again, you never should have started back up if you're going to have to shut it down again, which means you didn't work through all the eventualities. You weren't prepared. You didn't do your due diligence. So, you know what? What are the ramifications of that? Well, 
why are you our commissioner? Yeah. Why did you tell us to come back and do this? How, how silly do we look now? What a horrible business decision it was. You compounded all of our losses by doing this. Why are you in charge again? So, I mean, right. I, yeah, I think there are definitely consequences of this going forward if it's yeah. mismanaged. All right. Speaking of consequences, I haven't had any breakfast and uh, I'm having the consequences of that now. It's uh, closing. It'll be brunch lunch. now. It's on brunch time. Yeah. You move to brunch. I move over what are you going to have? Uh, I, I, I smell, I smell bacon cooking back there in the back somewhere. So, uh, I may have some, something related to bacon. Can I suggest a frittata? <laughs> Are you a big frittata guy? I, I made a frittata for Mother's Day for Gina for brunch and it came out very good. So I'm officially now a big frittata guy. So what exactly is for the uninitiated? What is the, uh, frittata? It's like an omelet. Yeah. Just a but different it sounds omelet. a lot better. Um, <laughs> Spanish omelet. We, uh, yeah, it's basically an omelet that you then finish in, in an oven. And uh, it gets a little bit, like the big question for me, and they were, I actually saw a story on this last night on my iPad. What's the difference between a frittata and a quiche? What is the difference? Uh, one is the quiche is more quicheier. The quiche is French, and the frittata is Spanish. The, the quiche it? has more dairy in it, and it's it, it's a little bit uh, softer and more cu uh, custard-like. Yeah. You know, it's like my father-in-law says, there is no difference between Mexican food. It's all the same thing. You know, it's just, it's just the presentation that's, that's different. Uh, so, Evan, uh, are you no longer uh, – we didn't even bring up the fact that Evan was, was breaking stories. Evan was making things happen on his new food beat. Uh, he went to Hillstone, personally put Hillstone out of business, uh, and then they had to come back uh, with their own with their old new. Uh, uh, I, I guess you you fomented an insurrection. Is that is that not what happened, Evan? I I don't think I did that. I think that um, the law firm of Aldous and Walker pretty much did that when they filed a lawsuit on behalf of um, of a unnamed employee who simply who was that employee, by the way, Evan? Jane Doe. Um, oh, tell, tell us who it was. Yeah. They, uh, I, I mean, I want to ask for her when I go to Hillstone. This was simply the thing that I did not get was like, how do you, if the, if the recommendations from the government are for people to wear a mask, how can you forbid an employee from choosing to wear a mask at that time? Uh, and, you know, a judge agreed with, um, with the employee, um, issued a temporary restraining order that is, would he, will either be revisited on May 20th if Hillstone, uh, by some chance, I, it certainly looks like the way Hillstone's reworked their, their wording on their website and everything, certainly looks as if they may be dropping that whole case entirely and wanting it to go away as fast as possible because they get a lot of bad publicity. And they, what's amazing to me is, you know, I've eaten at Hillstone in Houston's over the years. Um, they run a bunch of different brands all across the country, all with the same concept. Food is invariably good. It's always been the chain that seems to get everything right. And they just really seem to have bungled this, this situation. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of surprising to me the way this whole thing kind of came together. Of course, it is the place that told me once that, hey, pal, take your hat off. You know, they have the no hat policy on their website. Yeah. 
Until they saw you without a hat and they went, oh, okay, go ahead. We'll make that an was pretty much That was pretty much my <laughs> rationale was this was back when I had hair. I said, I'm going to take this hat off. You're going to be far sorrier <laughs> without my hat on. I will say this one time at the winter meetings, um, uh, we went to a steakhouse. I, I think it was Shula's. I, I think it was Shula's, but I'm not 100% sure. And um, they told Tracy Ringlesby to take his hat off. That, <laughs> I mean, that went over well. well. It did not end well. We, I, we ended up not eating at that restaurant. Police were called. There were, <laughs> there were no arrests, but SWAT team came out. Yeah. So tell the yeah. cowboy to take the cowboy hat off. <laughs> yeah, that was not a good look. That's not a um, good idea. But that, yeah, that, that's been interesting. And I'm going to go do a story today. I'm actually going to be up by uh, your neighborhood. Um, I'm going to go kind of walk through the whole um, prep process that TJ Seafood is going to go through to reopen their dining room this week. So why don't you invite him over, Kevin, since he's going to be so close? Uh, no. Not doing that. Well, uh, Evan, come come on by, Evan, and we'll wave at you through the glass. Uh, come to the front porch, and we'll just wave at you through the. You have uh, bacon, Kevin. You're not keeping me out of the house now. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. You could probably already smell it through this through this thing, can't you? I think yeah. that, that, that this is this is one of those really high tech zooms that you can actually smell the stuff too, not just not just uh, the sound. So that's really great. Well, this was a cute little podcast. It wasn't the exclusive that I got with Lance Lynn last week, but it, it was a cute podcast. Oh, he had to rub that, that in David, didn't he? Oh my gosh. That's uh that, that was such a cheap shot. Uh, yeah, it was, I, but I get so few of them that I have to take them. Oh yeah. David and I were on a well-earned vacation last week, not together, but we both had uh, our vacations <laughs> last week. You went to the beach in Galveston for uh, Jeep week, didn't you? No, I did not <laughs> yeah. go to the beach and go. Those photos were nice. Yeah, I did not do that. Um, were, you, were, you, were you the one that said on TV, it's all gravy, baby? <laughs> <laughs> no. And as a matter of fact, I never have said it's all gravy, baby. But I'm, I, I am going to start saying that from now on, though. I, I know that's going to be. Debbie's going to get sick of me saying that. It's all gravy, baby. So. We'll pay you a dollar if you work that into one of your next columns. <laughs> Are you kidding? You shouldn't have said that. If you pay me anything, I can work anything <laughs> into a column. As a matter of fact, I'd like to put that out to readers now. If you have a line that you'd like for me to Subsidize get into a column, my columns. <laughs> I've got a conference call with John Daniels at one, and I'm going to be writing off of that. So you can be sure that there will be an It's Gravy Baby in tomorrow's paper. <laughs> Beautiful. That's good. That's what this can do for you. You know, not, not many places can you come to a podcast and 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 find out that you can you too can pay to get a line in a newspaper uh <laughs> so we're all for that that might be our new marketing policy Tell well, us it could what be. You write. what is what you want us to write just pay us they hadn't thought about that uh, we, we're coming up with new revenue streams even as we speak <laughs> all right everybody i think that does it for everything uh that i think jose has fallen asleep uh so uh at any rate i think this was our uh, this was our podcast for this week we may have another one later on in the week. We don't know. Uh, we, we react to the news. You know, we're 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 ready. We're right on the edge. We're right on the. We cut. don't make the news. We just complain about it. <laughs> that is correct. All right. So for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye.